0: Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. Uh, the topic that we are going to talk about today, it, it's really a difficult topic to talk about because uh, we don't uh, like to take the time and reflect on uh, when there's sorrow in our lives. Uh, we'd like to focus on the good. Uh, today we're going to look at uh, what do you say at difficult times and Dr. Rhoda has some great advice practical
1: actual items that will help guide and direct uh, the episode. Hi Professor Marty, you and I have lost several really close Friends, our campus community has lost several really close friends in the past couple of weeks. Uh, They've gone to heaven. And you know that pit in your stomach, that lump in your throat that you get when someone tells you some really difficult news, and you feel absolutely horrible for that person, and you're just not sure exactly what you should say. I don't know where we're ever really taught, this or, or have an opportunity to really discuss it very much oftentimes we just learn from trial and error and well that didn't feel so good i need to think of something better than that so it can be at those times a real temptation when we're facing challenging times and difficult conversations like the easy thing that trips off of our tongue oftentimes are those little platitudes trite saying such as well everything happens for a reason and we can really be sincere and really really mean it but you know boy if it doesn't kill us it makes us stronger or, gosh, there must be some lesson that you're supposed to learn through this. Or, you know what, I had a similar thing happen, you're going to be okay. Other times we may feel it's our place to give advice or share our wisdom. You know what, here's what I think you should do. And we may mean well, and there may even be some truth in our words. But at a difficult moment, these types of comments are just rarely helpful.
0: And, and, and why is that? It's just emotional overload by the, the individual who's going through the loss.
1: Yeah. Certainly part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think our goal during a tough moment is simply we want to share. We just want to be with that person and to share love with them, right? To Mm -hmm. sit with them, to be that person and just hold space for them to be and to feel no judgment, no wisdom, no decision making to just be with them. In fact, I recently learned that the root for the word compassion means to suffer with. Isn't that neat? Compassion means to suffer with that means it's painful. It hurts. It's not pleasant, but that's what compassion is. If we're truly compassionate, it's usually very uncomfortable, and that's okay. So you, you ask, why do why do we do this? Why do we feel like we need to have an answer or a solution? And oftentimes, I think it comes from our need to feel significant or to have something to say that we feel you know, we need to be strong for others and to help them be strong in the face of the challenge. And,
0: and it's well-intentioned. Absolutely. Uh, it, it absolutely is absolutely. well-intentioned. It's just when we stop and reflect in, in the scenario, there
1: there are other options we should consider. Yes, yes, we live in a world that is filled with problem solvers and fixers. We wanna solve problems, we wanna fix things. And some of us do that on a daily basis for work, right? We get paid to be problem solvers and fixers. And then we think that we need to always do that. And sometimes hurt can't be solved. It can't be fixed, it just is. And when we hijack someone else's painful moment and take it as an opportunity to feel good about ourselves It actually becomes a selfish moment instead of a loving moment so how do we just sit with that person just suffer with them just be with them compassionately in their moment no judgment no fixing no criticism no comments no wisdom no advice just be with them I think a second reason we try to fix a problem or share our wisdom is that we may actually be resisting something inside of ourselves you know we have a hard time being with the friends pain to suffer with them it hurts and we personally may have a hard time feeling those same feelings and oftentimes the things we find challenging in others are the very things we struggle with ourselves we don't like to feel sad we don't like to feel lonely or confused or misunderstood and so we want to try to resolve it for them because that also resolves this feeling inside of us that is so very very uncomfortable and yet we know that there is no way to quickly pass through emotions other than just to be in them to feel them you know if you if you shut down and suppress an emotion it just festers. And so we know that it's Jesus made us emotional people. Jesus wept. He knew the outcome when his friend Lazarus died. He knew that Lazarus was going to, to rise again. He knew that Lazarus was going to be forever in heaven, and yet Jesus wept.
0: You know, I, I often think of when when you're going through a trial or tribulation or, 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 or you're sick, and the first week, uh, if it's a community, they, they bring frozen food, mm-hmm. they bring all kinds of, mm-hmm. for that first week, week and a half. And then as time goes on, yeah. it, it pretty much disappears. And, and yet thinking back, I think, well, I think those people probably would have benefited even more had it been week two, three or, or whatever, because you're right. The, the suffering process, it's not, Hey, I'm going to flip the switch it's it's going to be over and I'm going to move on it really healing takes time
1: that's an excellent insight Professor Marty I just in the process of writing this script I wanted to be sensitive and so I contacted two of my dearest friends who have recently been through significant hardship and I just said what advice do you have for me what was helpful and what wasn't helpful and one of them said the more you can just be with the person and not offer advice and not criticize and not judge but just be there with them as they face difficult news, the more helpful it's going to be. The other friend had recently lost somebody and that's exactly what she said. She said for the first month or so, the first couple of weeks, everybody's very involved. They're there, they're helping. And she says, what was so helpful for me was I had a couple of consistent friends who in week three four, five, six, seven, eight, continued to check in and see what they could do to support me, to help me. And I didn't need anything from them, but just knowing that they were there and I could ask them if I did need something, that they everybody else's life had kind of moved on and my life is never gonna move on. I'm always gonna have this big hollow pit here. And just knowing that somebody was willing to stand with me in my big hollow pit was so very, very comforting. So excellent insight. When we try to fix or avoid or judge or save, It's really saying something about us, you know, we want to be in control and control is usually not rooted in love. We can't control anyone else or their situation, but we can choose to love them as they sort through their life and their challenges and their challenges that are theirs and theirs alone. You know, we can't own their challenges for them. We can just walk with them side by side, hold their hand as they figure out what they're going to do next. So sometimes our friends and loved ones do want some guidance. Sometimes they do want to know what we think they should do. Uh, But we always need to make sure that we're listening first. You know, Stephen Covey wisely said, he's known for the phrase, seek first to understand and then to be understood. St. Francis of Assisi said the same thing in the prayer for service. And it holds so much truth. Just listen to that person, be with them, and when they are ready, they will ask you what you think. When they're ready to hear it, when they're ready to process it. And when they ask, then we have a window to share, to speak the truth in love. And our goal is always to meet their meet their need, not not our need. So the next time you're in a tough spot where someone has something really difficult happen, and, and I'm not just talking death here. When I talk about something difficult happen, people people get bad news, people lose jobs, people lose homes, people get divorced, people you know, friends that we love get into situations that are really tough and challenging and they've got to figure out how to get themselves out of a tough spot. So it's not always just death. You know, with death, we just want to be with them and and be in that space. But when they're going through difficult situations, we oftentimes want to help and solve and offer advice. And so, you know, both of these are things we need to, we need to process and think about how we're going to react. But when they're in that, that difficult thing happens to them and you're not sure what to say, you can just be at peace as you meet them where they're at. Just be with them. You don't have to have any solution, or any advice, or any wisdom. Empathy is allowing someone to just be where they are, and we sit with them in that space. We're loving them enough to ensure that they're not alone during a very lonely time. And we don't have to have answers, or solutions, or even words. We can just be, and let them be. And when we meet them where they are, and allow their experience to be what it needs to be, with no judgment, no fixing, no advice, we're being loving, we're showing compassion.
0: And on that note, what is so powerful is many times people will say, well, I don't know what to say or mm-hmm. I don't want to approach them because I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. And, uh, and what, what you're sharing with us is you don't have to say anything. Don't anything. Just yeah. be there.
1: Yep. Yep. Just approach them. Give them a hug. Or so, so,
0: so how do we teach children this?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, this isn't something that's in our curriculum or it's not a common conversation around the dinner table or. So I just encourage you to to share this with the young people in your life. When someone in your classroom has a family member die, or a parent is diagnosed with cancer, or a dad goes to prison, or some other very difficult situation occurs, and we oftentimes feel at a loss, just help your students process it. Just be compassionate, just suffer with them, sit in that space with them. And let them think, and, and for your other students, help them do the same you let your classroom think out think about it think out loud maybe they journal or maybe they discuss what they would like to do to demonstrate empathy and love what would they like to have happen if they were in a difficult situation and here's the beautiful thing when you do this You're also enabling an environment for mirror neurons to grow in the young person's mind. Remember, mirror neurons are those building blocks for compassion and empathy. And as we put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, when we imaginary play like we're somebody else, when we try to understand somebody else's circumstance or situation, our mind is actually growing new neural connections between those mirror neurons that enable us to have more compassion and empathy. So you're being a brain developer as you're helping your students through this or your children through this. We can even give them some suggestions for phrases. You know, sometimes if something happens and they just, you know, as a young child, they're just not, what, what are some possibilities? You could use some phrases such as, I'm sorry you're going through this. And that's it. Or, wow, that sounds like a really hard spot to be in. Or something as simple as, I'm here. And then pause, no need to continue, until they ask or they invite you to. So just remember, compassion means to suffer with. It doesn't mean to fix or solve. And in love, with the love that Jesus modeled for us, he has compassion for us. He suffered with us and for us. And then he's that model that then we do it for other people. And we can teach our young people this valuable skill and lesson as well.
0: Our goal in 5 to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, be aware of our own desire to fix, judge, and avoid. Number two, our goal is connection and love, not advice. Take a step back, actively listen. Number three, offer empathy. Maybe this is in simple phrases that let them know you care. Uh, and then you don't need to say anything after that. Uh, Being is really powerful. Number four, don't share more until they invite you to and when they're ready they'll ask for it. And number five, think about when you have a strong urge to fix, judge, or avoid. Why are these feelings so challenging for you? Can you find space to allow yourself to be uncomfortable with them as well? That same love and compassion we offer others we also need to have available for ourselves. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.